Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Braddon. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And hey, no shade on this episode because we've got our weekly appearance with Stephen Lassen, and this is the best one yet. Don't have to talk about any non-conference opponents. He's weak. Non-conference, Sun Belt, Mac, Mountain West, Big Ten. We don't have to talk about none of them. We're talking SEC matchups. Steven and I go take a deep dive on what should be the best weekend of SEC action to date with five conference games. We're also going to talk who's the best one-loss team in the SEC. Who's got the best chance of having a 10-win, 11-win season, making a New Year Six Bowl even with a defeat. We're also going to talk undefeated teams. Who's the best undefeated team? Steven ranks them so you can yell at him for a change instead of me. A really great conversation. We're able to hit on all 14 SEC teams in the longest conversation Steven and I have had yet. But before we get to that, real quick, SEC on Monday announced the kickoff times for the games on Saturday, October 8th. So again, not this upcoming weekend, obviously, but the following one. And we got some controversy here right out the bat. Maybe the best game on the docket. I don't want to go quite that far, but what should be a great game. And remember, this is a the first weekend that CBS, SEC on CBS, two selections here. So Alabama, A&M, Alabama hosting A&M. That was decided in the summer. The night game, Jimbo, Nick Saban, part two, Alabama looking for revenge. A&M looking to prove that they are the team to beat in the West. They'll have that opportunity Saturday night, October 8th, as the game kicks off 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central on CBS. That was, again, already decided in the summer. But the rest of these matchups, they were revealed here on Monday. Tennessee at LSU. Could that be the first CBS game? No. Despite the fact Tennessee's going to be undefeated going into that matchup, should be, you know, one hell of a ball game here. If LSU can take care of Auburn, they'll be 4-1. Marquee game, noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, which is the local time in Baton Rouge on ESPN following college game day. Stunning news there in TV scheduling. I'm still, I mean, this is hours later. I'm still baffled by this. LSU's pissed. Scott Woodward, mad as hell. You know, these LSU fans, they want every game to be a night game, and I don't blame them. Been down there for a night game. It's just incredible atmosphere. But, you know, I understand why it's not a night game with A&M Alabama. You don't want to go head-to-head with that. But I certainly thought Tennessee at LSU would be the early CBS game. And if it wasn't that one, I thought it would be this one. Arkansas at Mississippi State, another (laughs) 
noon Eastern, 11 a.m. kickoff on the SEC Network. What are we doing here? Arkansas, Mississippi State. What I mean, this is a terrific series. Play every year, obviously. Back and forth. Mike Leach 0-2 against Sam Pittman. But these have been close, hard-fought ball games. Man. Great, great matchup. One final noon kickoff here. Missouri at Florida. No surprise. Noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central on ESPNU. So we're going to have, again, man, this is a this is going to be one hell of a slate here. Saturday, October 8th. Now here is the early CBS game. Kind of baffled by this one. Auburn at Georgia. Oh, my God. This is going to be over the by halftime. Three o'clock. 3.30 Eastern, of course, 2.30 Central on CBS. I get it. It's a rivalry. The Deep South's oldest rivalry. I get all that. But one team's a top college football. One team's at the bottom of the SEC. What the hell were we thinking? We got to showcase Georgia, I guess, every opportunity. We get the Tennessee game, the Kentucky game, the Florida game. Those are all going to be CBS. So why we need Georgia every week? I do not know, but we're getting more of them here with Auburn at Georgia. Ole Miss at Vanderbilt. Cousin Shane's already predicted the upset in the summer. I, that was his bold pick of the of uh, if you've been hanging out our Twitter space. I think the very first one we did, he says Vanderbilt beats Ole Miss in Nashville. That'd be quite the scene. 4 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock Central on the SEC Network. South Carolina at Kentucky. Boy, I know South Carolina not quite lived up to the hype. This is your opportunity to turn that season around. All the bad blood. Shane Beamer, Mark Stoops. How many times can we play that clip that week? We're going to find a way to play it every day. 7.30 Eastern, 6.30 Central on the SEC Network. Going head-to-head again with Texas A&M at Alabama. The night game on CBS. My word. I thought this weekend was good in the SEC Next weekend, October 8th, doesn't get much better than this. But, hey, that's enough hyping games up from a couple weeks out here. Let's get to our great conversation with Stephen Lassen, Athlon Sports, one of the highlights of my week right here. All right, we're pleased to once again be joined by a friend of the show, Stephen Lassen, for his weekly appearance. You know him as Athlon Stephen on Twitter. And don't forget to check out his outstanding YouTube channel, All CFB365. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us once again. I really appreciate you. Hey, Mike. It's great to be here. What a great weekend of games it was. And I'm also sort of sad because we've already just went through the whole month of September and we're already down to October, November and the bowl season. So, uh, I mean, we we can't, you know, the, the games just keep getting better. We got a great week five slate. Week four was awesome. So uh, looking forward to, to breaking it all down. Yeah, absolutely, Stephen. And, you know, the weather is getting nicer outside. It feels like fall football. And it is a special season, particularly if you're a Tennessee Vol, Stephen, because it is rare that you get that win over Florida. Just quickly, I wanted to get your thoughts on that ball game, Stephen. I know, heck, you we don't ask you for predictions, but you went ahead and, and predicted the win for Tennessee, and you were right last week. Uh, thoughts on Tennessee, Josh Heupel getting a 4-0 for the first time since 2016. I think it was – I mean, it's obviously huge for Tennessee. You know, coming into that game, it felt like everything was set up for Tennessee. You know, they were the better team coming into the season. They had Florida at home. 
they were just simply the better team to the first three weeks. They had the crowd, they, everything lined up for Tennessee. Uh, of course, the ending would be a little bit interesting, If, of course, if you're a Tennessee fan. But, I mean, at the same time, though, I think if you're Tennessee, like, I don't know if it's necessarily like a breakthrough win, but I think it's a big moment for the program. I mean, Florida had dominated that rivalry, uh, you know, the last 15, 20 years. And for Tennessee now to get that big victory in Josh Heupel's second year with the way that they're recruiting and also what could lie ahead for this team. Um, I think it's obviously a very big moment for Josh Heupel in this program. So I think Tennessee got that victory. They were all kind of wanting that breakthrough kind of marquee victory. Obviously Florida may only end up being five and seven, but based upon what happened last year and where the Tennessee program was, I think this is a big step forward for Tennessee. No doubt about it. Now, how about that wild one in Arlington, Stephen? Could be a, a season-defining game for both these programs. Hopefully not for Arkansas. Hopefully they get off the mat here, but they're going into a tough stretch. A&M wins it, the doink-oink. They're calling it down there in College Station. What a game on Saturday. I mean, this is, this is one of the wackiest uh, annual games we got in this conference. You know what? It really is. You know, it's been so one-sided in favor of Texas A&M, but at the same time, I mean, it seems like every time that these two teams get together, it's going to be fun. It's going to be, you know, some kind of crazy last-second uh, play. But, I mean, for Arkansas, just the heartbreak and just being that close to scoring a touchdown, the game to change in that split second. And then after that, things kind of went cold on offense. And then the fourth quarter, they found just enough. And then as you said, the the doink off the upright. I mean, one of the more heartbreaking losses, I think, for, you know, college football, I think, just in recent memory, based upon, you know, the way the game set up, it was kind of like Tennessee and Florida because, you know, Arkansas, based upon the way that the season had gone, I know they weren't favored, but I certainly thought they would win. I thought they had looked better through the first uh, three weeks of the season. So certainly a missed opportunity by Arkansas, but also there's still games ahead they have. I mean, the Alabama matchup coming up this Saturday. I do think for Texas A&M, and, and you and I talked about this a few weeks ago, you know, I don't think we should just completely write off Texas A&M. And, and maybe I was guilty of, you know, giving um, Texas A&M, you know, too much flack early in the season for losing to App State and, and some of the things that we were seeing on offense. But they found a way now to piece together two really nice victories. And also you could look at this team and say, hey, things can get only get better from here because they're very young on defense. Maybe the offensive line is finding itself. So on one side of things, you have heartbreak for Arkansas, but you also have some good things going on at A&M as they try to piece some things together going forward. Now, how about that game on the plane, Stephen? I mean, we know Brian Harson and, and Drink are close, but my goodness, I didn't know they were going to – they were doing everything they can to keep Harson employed down there. I mean, is this – it was one of the ugliest games I've ever seen, Stephen. Is, is this what it's like to watch a Big Ten football game? <laughs> yeah, I had to check and make sure I wasn't watching what Iowa and, uh, you know, Illinois or something. Or I guess Iowa Rutgers played this weekend. It was the punt off with an over under of uh, 34 or, or 35. Man, it was an ugly, ugly offensive game. I mean, really, it was one of those games where it seemed like nobody wanted to win. Uh, you know, I think from uh, kind of like for we talked about with Arkansas, just pure heartbreak for Missouri. I mean, you have the thicker kicker lining up to make a kick that he would probably make 99 out of a hundred times and for him to miss. And then you're going in to score the winning touchdown. Uh, and then of course the fumble. So a lot of heartbreak for Missouri. We've seen a lot of weird things happen 
uh, for Auburn uh, at, at home. And it looks like good luck was on their side on Saturday. But, man, uh, going forward, I think a lot of concerns, I think, for Auburn, obviously, offensively, especially with, with how they played against Missouri. Now, the, the only other conference game we had, Stephen, Alabama just thrashed Vanderbilt. You know, that that's to be expected, even though this is an improved Vanderbilt team. Alabama's defense was, again, I, I think most people, you know, they, they look at that game and they just think disrespecting Vanderbilt, that's how it should be. But Vanderbilt has been very impressive on the offensive side of the football up until that point. So what was your takeaway from that game? Was it Alabama's defense? Um, is Alabama starting to shore up some of the issues? They had some receivers make some plays. Uh, what was your main takeaway from that one? Yeah, I think one of my main takeaways the last few weeks has been Ja'Cory Brooks seems to be making a bigger impact at receiver for Alabama um, from what the start of the season. And that's been a question for me is I don't think talent is the concern for Alabama's receiving core. I think it's more about can they find the right mix and to replace what they lost from last year. Of course, JoJo Earl's been hurt. Tyler Harrell's been hurt. So they've been down a few key pieces, but we saw in the, in the game against Texas, they struggled to make some plays in the passing game downfield, but I think you're starting to see that pieces are starting to fall into place. They'll have a much tougher test against Arkansas on the road this week, but I think you're seeing some of the things you want to, if you're Alabama, you're starting to see some of those pieces, OL receiver come together. And of course, with, with Utah state, ULM and Vanderbilt to start, you could experiment with some things. So We'll find out, I think, a little bit more about Alabama the next couple of weeks. I think I was encouraged if I was an Alabama fan about some of the young talent. I think for Vanderbilt, all these games are just measuring sticks at this point. I mean, it wasn't really a surprise that they lost in the fashion that they did. But I think if you want to be make the optimistic case for Clark Lee, I mean, you're starting a true freshman quarterback. You have Jaden McGowan, one of the top you know freshman playmakers in the SEC. Those are kind of pieces that you can build around. And I think the next step would be like within the SEC, when you play South Carolina, when you play Missouri, when you play teams that are a little bit closer, can you, can you cut that gap that we saw last season? So this is all about learning, measuring stick, kind of learning curve for, for Clark Lee in this program at this point. Now, Stephen, before we recorded, you know, we like to go over kind of topics we want to discuss and whatnot. And, and I had asked you power rank, the SEC's undefeated teams. So, you know, that this is one of my favorite things I do every week is power rank the SEC. We're not we're not gonna do the entire SEC, just the for now, just the unbeaten, undefeated teams. And let me just let you know, Steven, whatever you say, you're wrong to the rest of the SEC. Uh, <laughs> if, if you ain't got my team number one, you you don't know what the hell you're talking about. So good luck for the with this blowback you're about to get. Yeah, I, I guess I should have uh, I should have asked you for some uh, support or maybe I should have asked you like for tips on how to handle your power <laughs> rankings every week because uh, I've seen the blowback. But you know what? I am prepared for that because this is the SEC. It just means more. It's the toughest conference. So I've got to be prepared to take the heat here. So who you got as uh, the, the best team in the SEC that is yet to be defeated? I think it's Georgia. I think Georgia and Alabama are so close together that the only kind of reason that I have Georgia ahead of Alabama at this point is the full caveat, Georgia didn't play its best game on Saturday. But Alabama, a one-point win on the road against Texas. We've talked about the offensive line, the receiver concerns. They showed up in that game. 
if they go on Saturday and take care of business and, and beat Arkansas by 20, 24 points, then maybe this conversation conversation changes. I think for Georgia, you know, this team can only continue to get better. We came into the year with all the young pieces on defense. It's been fine. You know, they gave up some 5.4 yards per play to Kent State on Saturday, but still it's a group I'm not worried about. And the, also, I think that there's some still some options on offensively that they can go with. I mean, they're spreading the ball around. Stetson Bennett's playing well. So I just I have to go with Georgia at number one, just based upon they've been a little bit more dominant and Alabama had the close call against Texas. All right, Steven. So here's where you're really going to lose two fan bases. <laughs> and this is the real question there on everybody's mind. This has been a question you know, all at SEC Media Days, this is all anybody wanted to talk about. Now, we're just talking the first month, so this can certainly change. But right now, who do you have as the third best team that is yet to lose a football game in the SEC? I've got Tennessee. And oh, I actually... Good think, answer. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's there's kind of maybe some separation here. Now, I, I want to be cautious about this because Tennessee and Kentucky still have to play. Tennessee's still going to play Georgia. But based upon what we've seen, I do wonder if when you start to tier these teams, if Georgia and Alabama are in their own tier with Tennessee sort of in its maybe its own little tier behind that. And then you get into the next two teams, which, of course, play this weekend. But I mean, Tennessee's off to the the start that you could have asked for offensively doing everything that we anticipated. Also, pretty remarkable that. Tennessee won that game without its best offensive weapon outside of Hendon Hooker. No Cedric Tillman, but the offense keeps going. Hendon Hooker was the de- the difference in that game on Saturdays. Still have question marks about Tennessee's defense, but also when you play Tennessee at this point, you kind of have to think you've got to score 35 or 40 to be able to win. And looking at the schedule, there are going to be some teams that can test that, but I think Tennessee's in a good spot. Right now, I think the third best undefeated team in the SEC. So then who you got uh, at number four behind the balls? I've got Kentucky. I, I think Kentucky, by virtue of going to the swamp and beating Florida, deserves that number four spot. I think, you know, Kentucky and Ole Miss is very interesting this weekend just because we don't know a lot about Ole Miss so far. And when you're comparing these two teams, I think you have to give an edge to Kentucky Ole Miss has probably been more dominant for the most part against subpar competition, but Kentucky has the road win in the swamp. I, I am concerned about Kentucky's offensive line. You know, they Will Levis was sacked a couple times by Northern Illinois. The running game has been pretty sluggish. Chris Rodriguez is coming back this week, so I think maybe there's some – we'll see what that does to the offensive line. But really, Kentucky and Ole Miss, I think questions remaining – but you already have a win over Florida. I think that's an that's enough of a reason for me to put them over Ole Miss at this point. Mm. So we also got a number of very very quality one loss teams in the SEC, and I don't want it to be the exact same thing where we're just power ranking these teams, Stephen. But the way I kind of posed it to you was, you know, let's kind of rank these teams in order that you have the most confidence that these teams. Could potentially, you know, go to a New Year's Six type bowl, be a 10-win team, maybe even win out as difficult as that could potentially be in the SEC. And we're talking the entire SEC West. It's going to be a wild, wild West outside of, of course, Alabama and Ole Miss that have that have yet to drop the game. So we're basically focusing on the rest of the West right now. 
who do you got at the top of that list? My answer may surprise you. I have Texas A&M. Now, preseason bias. Preseason bias. No, no. Just kidding. <laughs> you know, it, it is really tough. And, and I, I almost think if you would have asked me this question on Friday, I would have said, you know, the winner of Arkansas, Texas A&M. And I think an argument that when you start looking at what A&M has ahead of, of course, they've got the game against Alabama. Alabama is going to be a big favorite, but Mississippi State this Saturday would be really interesting. Also, I think when you look at A&M's schedule down the stretch, the back half of their schedule, like it's virtually all at home. And that road game that they have remaining is to Auburn, which who knows what Auburn is going to look like uh, by November. So I think if you're A&M, optimistically, you know the defense can only get better as some of these younger players continue to play more offensively. I think they still need more out of this group. There's no doubt about it that they can't continue to just live on the margins here. Also, Anaya Smith being out for the year is a pretty significant loss. But I do think if Max Johnson isn't upgraded quarterback, maybe you're not getting 300 passing yards a game. But if you can just get some efficiency, your offensive line plays better, A-chain plays like he did on Saturday against Arkansas, um, I think there's some reasons to be optimistic for A&M based upon upside. They also have a win over Arkansas and also the home schedule later in the season. So who you got uh, second on this list? Arkansas. I, I think, you know, the, like I said, the winner of that game was probably going to take my uh, top, you know, kind of one loss you know, spot here. I, I think it's for Arkansas. I think so much of that, you know, going forward is going to be where they improve, especially in the secondary. We'll find out this week that matchup of Alabama's receivers versus Arkansas's defensive backs. I love the way that KJ Jefferson and that offensive line and, and Rocket Sanders have all played this year. So I think I'm still pretty optimistic about Arkansas as a team. I know they lost on Saturday, but still I think a lot of good things that they've done so far this year. And also think that they still have potential to grow. They have one of the best players in the SEC and KJ Jefferson. When you have someone like that, I think that gives you a chance to to rack up, you know, get to nine and three, ten and two by the end of the year. Is that gap wide at all, do you think, between AM and Arkansas? And let me ask also ask you this, because I'm kind of surprised, Stephen. I'm seeing so many people was like, well, this is just an eight and four, seven and five team anyway. And I was like, they've been number ten and top ten in the country. Now they're eight and four and they and they're just average. Uh, I don't know where people are getting that from. I don't either. I think also worth noting Arkansas host LSU and Ole Miss and the crossover game later in the season is against Missouri. So I think if you're starting to look at, you know, schedule possibilities, Arkansas schedule stacks up pretty favorably. Um, I don't buy that Arkansas is a seven and five type of team. I think people are bailing on this team too early because of what happened on Saturday. I mean, if three or four plays go their way, we're sitting here talking about Arkansas being undefeated and a potential showdown with Alabama for, you know, first place in the SEC West. So really not a not a big gap in my mind between A&M and Arkansas. I think the winner, uh, basically, that's the tiebreaker in this discussion with, with both teams having a loss now. Mm. So who you, who you got third on this list? I have LSU. Um, obviously, the, the win over Mississippi State sort of gives them the tiebreaker right now in this discussion. But I also think I've gone, I I kind of, we've talked about this throughout the year that I do think they're going to get better over the season. And I think you've seen that from game one to game four. I think the offensive line can only get better from here. 
I think the rushing attack has shown some good signs. Now, can we see that in, in more SEC games going forward? LSU does have to play Tennessee. They have to play Florida. They still have several tough games remaining in the West. I think that's an obstacle for LSU to get higher. Um, I still want to see some offensive development. I like this defense for, for LSU, but I think schedule and offensive line quarterback play will be the things that will determine whether or not they can cut that gap to A&M and Arkansas in these rankings. Mm. So I'm assuming next you got Mississippi State. I do. I've, I've got Mississippi State over Auburn. I you know, we we talked about it. I, I think a, a missed opportunity for Mississippi State when they played LSU. You know, LSU early in the season, I know it was in in Baton Rouge, but that was an opportunity to get a marquee win. And and, I, and I'll be looking forward to Saturday's game against AM just to see, you know, they've already played once in the SEC. Now here's another marquee opportunity. You beat AM last year, you get them in Starkville this year. So I, I think another kind of measuring stick opportunity. For Mississippi State, curious to see that, you know, kind of growth within the SEC from the LSU contest to now. Maybe let's not skip ahead. So give me your thoughts on Auburn real quick. I, I'm just dying to talk this A&M Mississippi State game, but I don't want to completely overlook uh, Auburn as bad as they were on Saturday. Yeah, I, I think they are clearly in in this discussion among one, one loss teams in the SEC West. I think they're clearly at the bottom. And I think it's a real problem uh, for Auburn, especially when you know you look at how that game was. They scored on the first drive of the game. There was a turnover. They scored, And, of course, they scored right after that. But really nothing else the, the rest of the game offensively. And you start thinking that, you know, you got to start looking ahead to playing teams in the West, like, you know, like Mississippi State, like, you know, the Texas A&Ms, the Arkansas it's only going to get more difficult from here. We came into the season thinking that maybe the offensive line would be better this year. They're already down a starter. They really haven't been able to establish the run quarterback room is a real question mark. So, I mean, for me, the link, the list of questions for Auburn is very lengthy in offense right now. And I just don't think their defense is good enough at this point to keep them in all these games. So for me in this discussion of they're at the bottom, clearly. Yeah. Now, before we uh, preview these these matchups, Steve, because we got some great, great SEC games, I I want to throw you a curveball. I didn't even prepare you for this one because I <laughs> I get this question sometimes, and you look at the AP poll, and we've got Georgia, Kentucky, and Tennessee all in the top ten, and some people are saying, "Well, has the has the SEC East finally passed the SEC West?" What would you say to those people? And basically my question, you know, is the West still better overall than the East? What's your thoughts? I think the West is better. I think if you were, you know, trying to make an argument for the East this year, I think you could argue right now you've got the number one team in Georgia. You have an improved second team in Tennessee. I think Florida will finish somewhere maybe seven and five, eight and four at the end of the year. If everything breaks right, maybe they can get to nine and three. You know, I think the middle of the East is pretty solid with Kentucky in there too. But I think the bottom of the East is where, you know, Vanderbilt, Missouri, I think South Carolina will be fighting to get bowl eligible, you know, bowl eligible. Auburn will too. But I think those top six teams in the West will probably all be clustered somewhere in the top uh 35 of college football by the end of the year and probably a lot of them in the top 25 if if they don't beat up on each other too much 
Right. And, and my answer to that, Stephen, is just I agree with you 100%. Some of these East teams like Tennessee, Kentucky, Florida, and South Carolina, you got to upset some West teams before we can enter even entertain that question, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and this also worth thinking about the Missouri and Auburn game on Saturday, too. I mean, you know, Auburn, the you could argue the worst team in the West, I, I think. Uh, you know, of course, knocked off Missouri. So I think you're starting to kind of get some games of some comparison here. The bottom of the the West just beat a team from the East. Now you can start to compare some of these other matchups going forward, like when Alabama plays Tennessee. Um, so I, I will be curious to see how those East and West games match up. But you're right. The East needs to win some of them. But I think on paper at the end of the year, I think the West is just going to be better. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe the better way to put it is the East is improving, but the West is still on top. Now let's preview some of these matchups, uh, Stephen. Texas A&M at Mississippi State. I want to focus on that one first because I I think depending on who you could talk to, this is you know ba- basically a, a coin flip type game. Mississippi State favored for what that's worth. But – you know, and this doesn't really have anything to do with the matchup, Stephen. Just curious to get your thoughts. But Mike Leach, 0-2 in the Egg Bowl. We we just said it, it was a disappointing result that you lost to to LSU. This was a this may be the worst Brian Kelly team that Mississippi State and Mike Leach will see. Um, and maybe the same could be said for AM. I don't I don't know. I don't I'm not saying that, but you know, you're getting them at home. You beat them last year. What does that say to to your fans and your program that you come back and you get them at home. And I'm, I'm not sitting here predicting that Mississippi state's going to lose, but if they do, do you think Mike Leach, um, you know, we live in a time now, Steven, particularly in the sec, we lose some games. This coach sucks. He's got to go, but hell, he's been coaching at a major college football for 20 years and he, and he's won everywhere. So I'm, I'm not sitting here saying we got to get rid of him, but it would be, I don't know. It'd be very disappointing, I think. And I think I think his critics would have plenty of ammunition should he drop his game at home. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's an interesting debate because I think if you were Mississippi State, a Mississippi State fan who's maybe frustrated with Mike Leach, and you could say, hey, you know, this is LSU team was pretty vulnerable coming into this year, and we couldn't get him now. What's going to happen if this if LSU continues to improve under Brian Kelly? You get Texas A&M. The timing of this game works out well for Mississippi State. The fact that A&M just played Arkansas, they get Alabama next week. They have to come to Starkville. Like the timing of it just makes a ton of sense for Mississippi State. And if you don't get this A&M team, if we think they get better next year with all the young pieces that they have, and maybe they make some changes on offense, you know. I know they won last year, but you start looking at it the way that, you know, Ole Miss can can bring in talent through the portal. Auburn makes a, a good hire potentially for a new coach. I mean, you know, it's like it's not necessarily now or never, but the opportunities were there. And if you, you go 0-2 in those matchups, that would be really tough, I think, for Mississippi State. And are you a believer? I mean, clearly, we've talked. it sounds like you kind of are of a Mississippi State, but I guess I'm just so disappointed, Steve. It's, it's like a child here that I've been hyping up all off season, and they get their first test and they fail it. They flunk it. I mean, hell, they could they should have beat LSU by 20 points. I really do think it in Death Valley, but they just came apart at the seams. Did not play that well, and I got no confidence at this point in time that they're gonna 
pass this test because because like you said a and m's right at the ship uh, do you believe in mississippi state and can they score on this a and m defense i think if i'm texas a and m i'm breaking out the game plan that we used against miami and i'm saying hey we're gonna bend and but we're not gonna break you can kick all the field goals that you want and you can drive the length of the field and that's exactly what miami did but AM made the stops when it mattered. They get a, of course, a, a couple, you know, a timely turnover in there as well. So I think AM's defense, with the way they can get pressure and the defensive backs that they have, like this is a good matchup for their defense. You know, bend, but don't, don't break. And then offensively, they are going to have to get some things going. Um, you, you know, they've been outgained in the last two games against Miami and against Arkansas, but they found a way to win. And there's something to be said about that. But that's also not a sustainable formula. If you're going into the game on the margins that close, one or two breaks go against your way, and all of a sudden, you know, you're gonna lose a matchup. So I I'd like I like the matchup if I'm AM's defense. I still wonder about AM's offense. Like if if they can get A chain going again, 150 plus yards like we saw, maybe run the ball a little bit, keep Mississippi State off the field. Yeah, I think I would feel pretty good if I'm AM. I, I I think it's it's not necessarily a must win for Mississippi State, but I do think if they go zero and two here with these two teams on the ropes, I think it'd be pretty disappointing. How many points do you think it's going to take to win this game? I mean, can A and M even score thirty points? I mean, I, I don't. I'm not sitting here saying Mississippi State can score that many on this A and M defense, but you know, if I guess what I'm asking you, do you have faith that uh, you know both these teams can can get that many points in this ball game? You know, that's a good question. It was, I think, 26 to 22 last year in College Station. And AM was also at that point of the season where they had just lost Haynes King and they were still trying to sort out what they had with Zach Calzada. And of course, the offense wasn't statistically very, you know, productive even, even after that. So I, I think 20, seems like maybe 27 might do it here. I mean, AM just hit the 20s to beat. Arkansas just under that to to beat Miami the week before. I, I still think that if you're AM, you're totally fine if Mississippi State kicks four field goals here and scores a touchdown. Maybe, maybe you can get a takeaway. Maybe you can use a chain and sort of control the time of possession and, and line of scrimmage. So that for me on Saturday will be I, I, so much about college football now. It's it's weird to say this, but if you can get stops on third down, you can get a havoc play like a sack, a takeaway stops in the red zone like small things like that can really add up in a matchup like this so i if i'm when i'm watching this game on saturday i am watching like all those small factors and i'm watching the turnovers because if a&m doesn't make a mistake they might that might be they win those small things in the turnovers and they get just enough from max johnson they might be able just to get like a 27 24 victory now, what about uh, speaking of those havoc plays in A and M's pass rush? Do you have confidence in Mississippi State's tackles, offensive tackles that that can block those guys? Because I thought, you know, that was a huge question entering the season. I thought we got that shored up, but against LSU, that was an issue. And then I thought even last week against Bowling Green, it was somewhat of an issue. So, how how big of a concern is that for Mississippi State entering this game? Big time. You know, I think you raise a good point there. I mean, if if you're struggling to to block Bowling Green and, you know, you had some issues against LSU, I, I think A&M's front has more upside in terms of just talent this year. And, of course, no Mason Smith for LSU. So, yeah, I, I think if I'm Mississippi State, 
am very worried about my ability. Because I think Will Rogers was sacked, I think, four times against LSU. If they're if AM ends up with four or five sacks on Saturday, that's a real a real concern for for Mississippi State and probably makes it hard for them uh, to win, obviously. Now, my final question for you, Stephen, on this matchup. Will Rogers, Max Johnson, I mean, two completely different quarterbacks, two completely different systems. If you just look at the stats, yeah, Will Rogers, he's a hell of a lot better. But football is, is not based purely on stats, uh, particularly A&M. They, they love to run the ball. They love to hit you with play action. Who do you think has the edge in quarterback in this game? And again, I'm not saying who's going to throw for more yards or necessarily even more touchdowns, but who do you think, uh, who do you have confidence in in a game like this? These are two veteran SEC quarterbacks to have a better game on Saturday. Man, that's a great question because I think if I'm picking a quarterback that I have more confidence in, I think it has to be Will Rogers. I think just the experience that he has in this offense, super comfortable kind of the perfect conductor, um, you know, he's gotten, I think he's getting in more and more comfortable with the receivers and, and all the pieces around him as the year goes on. I, having a guy with that much experience in this leech offense and knowing how to execute it is pretty dang valuable. I think on the other side of things, coming into the year, I mean, you and I talked in the offseason. I thought Max Johnson should have been the starter from the jump. I think he's just better. I also think that he's not going to make like a catastrophic mistake yet. Um, to cost you a game. I think he's efficient as well. So with the way that AM plays, I know I'm sort of like answering this like a like a both sides answer here, <laughs> but I do think Max Johnson is probably what AM needs right now. He can take care of the ball, the efficiency's there. Maybe once or twice he can land a deep shot to Stewart or Marshall or you know hit a tight end for a 35 yard gain or something. But I think just in terms of quarterback strength, if I had to pick one, I'd rather be like I'd rather be Will Rogers on Saturday at home and plus the experience in the offense too. Now we've talked a little bit about this already, but this is the only battle of unbeatens here in the SEC. Kentucky traveling on the road at Ole Miss. A lot of unknowns with Ole Miss. Maybe some unknowns with Kentucky, even though the you know, they've, they've certainly answered some of those winning on the road against Florida. Um, you know, let me ask you this. How, because this is something Cousin Shane asked me, is Ole Miss fool's gold? Or do you think they'll, you know, I, I know they haven't played anybody, but do you think they have a team capable of beating Kentucky in Oxford? The odds makers certainly think so. I mean, I, I was kind of surprised that they were, you know, it's up around a touchdown now for Ole Miss to be favored in this game. I think what Shane raises is, is a pretty fa fair point. I mean, we don't we don't know a lot about this Ole Miss team. I, I think I, I may have told you last week that maybe I was too low on them in the preseason and maybe I'm ready to kind of admit that. I, I don't I don't know what to make of of last week's game against Tulsa. And they had the big lead. Tulsa came back with a backup quarterback. Ole Miss offensively kind of went cold in the second half. I don't know what to make of that. I think the only thing we can make of is they've played three games. And for the most part, they took care of business in, in those matchups. So I think it's a it's obviously it's the biggest test for Ole Miss from a defensive standpoint, playing uh, you know, Will Levis. 
I think if you're Kentucky, you love the way that the young receivers stepped up to around Tavion Robinson. So I think we'll find out a lot about both teams in this matchup. So I'm, I I don't want to call Ole Miss fool's gold, but I also think that they're sort of just, they're just a mystery at this point. I just, I just don't know what to make of them. And if they beat Kentucky handily, then I think we know they're pretty good after that. If this game turns into a shootout, Steven, who would you rather be? Uh, Kentucky with, uh, you know, I think it's safe to say the better quarterback and I don't know if it's safe to say the better receiving court because Ole Miss got some good guys too, but would you rather be Kentucky on the road, a little bit more difficult to be, you know, a passing team on the road, or would you rather be Ole Miss with just an outstanding, incredible running game? We don't know currently that the status of Zach Evans a little banged up, but let's just, let's assume he plays either way. I mean, I don't know being down a running back when you got so many others, if that's a huge deterrent. But which would you rather have in a high-scoring game here, a stout running game or a passing attack on the road? Man, that, that's a tough. It's a tough question because it does feel like Jackson Dart has, you know, he's getting more comfortable, and it seems like every game he seems to be getting better. And I think you're right. I think Ole Miss is better along the offensive line. But I also think when I look at Kentucky and I see if I can take an experienced senior quarterback on the road with uh, Key and Brown and Tavion Robinson, and oh, by the way, Kentucky's getting back Chris Rodriguez this week, I think I would probably rather be Will Levis. I think there's something to be said about having SEC experience on the road. So I would probably lean Will Levis at this point, but I think – Again, there's just so much mystery about this matchup. Like, I, I I come into this game with so many questions. I think that's why it's so fascinating. Which team do you think has a better defense, Stephen? Because, heck, Kentucky looked great against Florida. Of course, Anthony Richardson helped them out a great deal. But we got to give Kentucky credit for, the, for that game plan and, and making the plays when it mattered. And then on the flip side, Ole Miss, I mean, my God, they were – I think they were, like, number three in the country in, in point uh, scoring defense until – Tulsa kind of put a big dent in that, but uh, you know maybe Ole Miss is is really underrated on that side of the ball. So who do you think has a better defense entering this matchup? I would rather be Kentucky, I think, um, and, and I think to to your point, I think there are still questions about both of these teams on on defense. But I, I if I trust one coach to figure it out defensively, it's Mark Stoops, and I think there's there's so many promising pieces for Kentucky up front and in the secondary and really a linebacker that have been playing a lot of snaps uh, as young as some of the young players getting in there. I like the, what Ole Miss has done in the transfer portal. And I think you're seeing those guys have, have played a lot this season and they've created a lot of havoc plays. They've also made a lot of, you know, big plays too. And it's one of the reasons why they're near the top of the sec and scoring. And, and of course yards, fewest yards per play. But if I had to pick one defense, I think I would pick Kentucky right now. Hmm. Well, credit uh, Lane Kiffin, Stephen, for somehow managing to to schedule out four spring games to to start the season here, some scrimmages. But what are the odds? You know, you've been, we've been covering Lane Kiffin a long, long time. That he breaks out some stuff that uh, maybe he's been keeping in his back pocket and just kind of waiting for this uh, Kentucky matchup. Uh, do you have confidence that Lane Kiffin can can throw in some wrinkles here that Kentucky's not seen on film yet? Yeah, I think that's a great point because I almost wondered in that Tulsa game is is, is Ole Miss starting to 
use maybe some of these weeks to plan for the SEC opener and beyond because they were four games that they should have won. Georgia Tech, I think, you know, if a, P, a P5 opponent, like in the offseason, you could have made a case like you know, they need to maybe work a little bit more to win that game. But Georgia Tech is just so bad this year that, you know, the, the Ole Miss was able to steamroll through their first three opponents. So, yeah, I, I am very curious to see what Ole Miss does offensively, see the growth by Jackson Dart in this game and also just some of the other pieces because it doesn't feel like yet they've unveiled the full arsenal. I'm sure they needed some time with all the with all the pieces and trying to mesh that together. But like you said, they've, they've had four games now. I, th- I think they're, they're probably in pretty good shape by now. Mm. Now, what should be one heck of a game, maybe some luster lost after uh, Arkansas lost to Texas A&M, but I still think it's going to be one hell of a game, Stephen. Alabama at Arkansas, you know, this is one of those. There's a, an incredible streak. I think it's 14 in a row. You can correct me if, if you have that information, but Alabama at Arkansas, how tight of a ball game do you anticipate this being? You know, I was really surprised when this line opened at 17. I thought it would be a lot closer to 10, maybe 13 points. You know, you just, I think just based upon the road struggles that Alabama has had. And I think that's that's the question for me is, does Alabama go on the road to Fayetteville, which is going to be, extremely hostile Arkansas fans are fired up for good reason you know does Alabama just come in and show why they're number one or number two in the country you go back to last season though I mean they lost at A&M and they have three other wins on the road that were by one or two points so you know based upon those stats like it should be a lot closer than 17 points on Saturday night and also just want to see like Alabama's offensive line against the pass rush of Arkansas, which leads the SEC in sacks. You also have Alabama's receivers. Arkansas secondary has struggled and given up a lot of yards. But if you're Arkansas, you should have confidence. You only lost by seven in Tuscaloosa last year. I think the defensive front for Arkansas can cause some problems. And you've got that home crowd in Fayetteville. So I, I have not lost any interest in this matchup. I, I would be very curious to see what Arkansas has for Alabama on Saturday. Now, we kind of talked about this already off air, but I mean, the, you got to imagine the game plan for, for Arkansas is just going to be come after Bryce Young because your secondary is probably not going to hold up. Maybe you can force the issue. Uh, you know, you're, you're sacking people like crazy, harass Bryce Young all day long. Um, and, and Alabama's not really shown the ability to, to be an elite running team at this point in time. So. I don't even know if they can run the ball on Arkansas. So uh, do you think that'll be the game plan uh, going up against this Alabama offense? I think it has to be because I, I think we've, we've seen it once this year when Texas played Alabama, the reason why that Alabama won that game was Bryce Young came up in the clutch. And I think if you're Arkansas, you almost want to prevent those big plays that Alabama was hitting on last year, maybe haven't gotten there this year. I think Bill O'Brien, and, and I'm sure that Bryce Young is going to be trying to get rid of the ball quickly. So it's almost, can you pressure him, but also tackle and prevent those plays from becoming seven yards, becoming a 40-yard gain? So I think it's going to be tough for Arkansas, I think, from a game perspective to say, Alabama's first in the SEC in rush defense. We're just going to try to bully you. I think you're going to have to take some chances and being aggressive up front 
is really been the only way to slow down Bryce Young over the last uh, two years. We saw it in the SEC championship game with Georgia last year, A&M on the road before the looks that they gave Bryce Young in that offensive line. So, yeah, I, I think pressuring Bryce Young is priority number one for Arkansas on Saturday night, and they've got Drew Sanders and others who can do that. Now, maybe I just got my hog-colored glasses on, Stephen, but you lose to A&M. Yes, it's deflating in one sense, but at the same time, you know, you probably you lost college game day, which I understand the fans were wanting that, but is there a chance, you know, that would have been distracting as hell. From, from what I understand, it's been 16 years since the game day has been at Fayetteville. So you miss out on all that. People discount you. People saying you're an 8-4 and four team. Is there any way you could see your back's against the wall? You literally cannot lose another SEC game if you have hopes of reaching Atlanta, which, you know, some people may mock at, but that's that's a goal there in Fayetteville is to, to reach that SEC championship. Any chance that losing to A&M is, is – I don't want to say it's good. It's never good to lose. But any way that locks Arkansas in to be to – be, hell, I know it's like Alabama. You know, it's hard to be even more locked in for Alabama. But any chance that uh, that benefits Arkansas in some way leading up to this game? You know, it's, it's a good question, Mike, because I, I wrestled with that. When trying, when starting to look ahead to this matchup, if you're Arkansas, I think you can kind of take this two different ways. The first one is disappointing loss in a game you could have easily won against an opponent who has, you know, kind of owned the series since they joined the SEC. And to lose in such a heartbreak fashion, if that loss has a hangover effect, I mean, Alabama is going to come in and they're going to steamroll Arkansas if that's how it is. On the flip side of it, if you're Arkansas, you've only lost one game in the SEC. If you beat Alabama on Saturday, you're right back in it. You would already have a win over maybe the biggest competition in the division. Heck, if Mississippi State beats um, A&M on Saturday too, then you're already starting to like knock around some teams that you need to start losing. So I don't think, you know, for Arkansas, I think there should be plenty ahead for them knowing that if you beat Alabama – the path to Atlanta is still very viable. If you lose this game, it gets significantly tougher and probably out of reach because it's tough to see Alabama losing twice. You've got Alabama coming to your place. Motivation should be there. A chance to win the West is still very viable if they can win this game. Now, what do you think um, are the chances that Arkansas can run on Alabama's incredible defense? I mean, is is that completely out of the question? And I'm not saying, you know, go how wild or anything, but – it seems unlikely to me that Arkansas is just going to win a shootout with the reigning Heisman Trophy winner on the other side. Like, you know, K.J. Jefferson, he's got a hell of a receiving core. You know, they, they'll be able to trade some points. But, you know, if if this thing gets into the 30s again, that's maybe favors Alabama. I don't know. But do you, do you, do you think Arkansas will at least be able to keep them honest um, on the ground? I think they have to try. I know Alabama has been so dominant against the run this year, but also you could look at that and say, well, they played Texas, which was the best, you know, rushing team that they've played so far. The other three teams really don't run the ball all that well, have some offensive line questions. It's also part of your DNA. I mean, you've got one of the better offensive lines in the league. You've got a big quarterback and a running back who can who can make a lot of plays on the ground. Rocket Sanders is, you know, having a kind of a a mid-season All-America type of, of year so far. So 
I think if you're Arkansas, it is part of your um, your game plan on Saturday. The other thing is, too, I go back to that Texas game in the first quarter before Quinn Ewers was hurt. Texas was hitting some shots downfield with their receivers. And I think if you're Arkansas, that's a good chance for you know Hazelwood and for Jackson and some of those other guys to maybe make some plays downfield on Alabama's secondary. They gave up some big plays last year. I think this will be a good test for Alabama's secondary as well. So I I don't think Arkansas can just expect to run for 250, but I think they're going to have to try. Now, how about this matchup, Stephen? LSU at Auburn. This is annually one of my favorite games in the West. I mean, it's, it's typically early in the season. It's oftentimes it's the first conference game or at least the first SEC West game for both opponents, and, and many of these matchups go down to the wire. It's always a tough physical ball game. And, yeah, I mean, Auburn's easy to poke fun of. You know, we both think uh, – I think we both picked them seventh in the West, and, and so far that is certainly looking to be the case. But, you know, maybe there's something to be said. You beat LSU last year. That should give you some confidence. You, you played the ugliest game you'll ever play in your life, and you still won it. Maybe that gives you a little confidence. Everybody and their mother's going to be picking against you, against Brian Kelly and company. Um, any chance that we see – you know, the best Auburn that we've seen all season here on Saturday. I think what's interesting is the way that the odds makers are seeing this game because it opened up in favor of Auburn this offseason, but it's just completely moved in favor of LSU. I mean, LSU's almost a 10-point favorite on Saturday night or Saturday against Auburn. So I, I think that's probably where this game is headed unless our Auburn has some sort of trick up its sleeve at quarterback. You know, is is TJ Finley back in the lineup? Um, you know, is Robbie Ashford just better this week? It's just, it's really hard to make a case for Auburn in this game other than just weird stuff happens when Auburn and LSU play. I think it's like the last five out of the last six were decided by five points or less. So to me, that's the formula is you're at home. Maybe your defensive line causes some havoc for LSU's offense and the weird stuff we're talking about uh, makes a play or two in, in Auburn's favor and they can keep it close. But if they play like they did against Missouri, it's not going to be close at all. So basically, Stephen, they need four turnovers to be competitive. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think they need. Yeah, I think they do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is just clearly two two programs going in the wrong direction. You know what? Unfortunately. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, for Auburn, you know, unless TJ Finley comes back and the heat throws for, you know, he, he has a good day throwing. It's just there was nothing to tell you in Saturday's game that Auburn is going to be able to piece together enough drive. So you need a couple takeaways. You need maybe a, a score on special teams or something to to close that gap. I It may not be very high scoring. Uh, but we know when these two teams get together, it's usually close. So that would, like much like Florida and Tennessee, that would be a reason for optimism if I'm Auburn. Just the rivalry has been close. Yeah, I don't want to speak for Steven, but if you just read between the lines here, it sounds like Athlon's got the Brian Harson's been fired column already. <laughs> po you know, they got it on the back burner ready to, to go. Uh, the only other SEC matchup we got here, Steven, Georgia at Missouri again. Man, what a mismatch here, but uh, I don't know, thoughts on, on the matchup? I know this is not necessarily the case here lately, but, man, it, at least under Barry Odom, and that's probably not a name Missouri fans want to rem remember, but 
Hell, they kept it close with Georgia in those days. Any chance uh, we see something like that again on because Georgia looked human. I mean, maybe they're they look looking at past Kent State. They surely weren't looking ahead to Missouri. Maybe they'll look past Missouri too. Yeah, the last two games in this series were decided by thirty-five and thirty-seven. <laughs> so there's going to need to be a significant just shift in the whole. Um, matchup between these two teams to probably change that dynamic. I, maybe we get an angry Georgia team this week. I mean, they did not play up to their normal standard on Saturday against Kent State. I think that we will see a much more motivated and locked in Georgia team. I think much like Auburn, if you're Missouri, you need pretty much everything to go your way, whether that's like a turnover, um, Georgia had a, a little bit of a problem with that against Kent State. You got to find some ways to be able to piece together some more drive. So it, it is an uphill battle here for Missouri. But I think on the flip side, like let's see what Georgia looks like after that kind of very non-Georgia like performance against Kent State last week. Let me ask you this then, Stephen. Just, you know, I just want to pick your brain for a minute, but any concern at all? Again, <laughs> we're talking the number one team in the country, so we're not. We're not sitting here saying this is going to cost you multiple games here, but it possibly could cost you, you know, in an SEC championship, in a playoff game. You know, maybe if Tennessee continues to improve or Kentucky continues to improve, something like that, a big-time game. But any concern at all that Georgia – I'm not saying they can't run the ball, but, you know, and you got to be careful that the stats are kind of deceiving because a lot of their rushing is kind of like, you know, screens and motion and, and, and these little pop passes that are working really well. But, you know, is that just Todd Munkin being very creative and effective? We, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the most important part. It's being, ve he's very effective with this, but are they, are they doing that because they don't have confidence in their running game? I don't know. What, what's your thoughts on that? It's a good question. I think if I'm Georgia, probably the most optimistic scenario would be, hey, we're trying some stuff. It's still early in the year, finding the right mix on the offensive line, finding the right mix of running back. I mean, the, the running back room at Georgia is insanely deep. I mean, we they lose guys every year and just keep reloading. And when you can throw McIntosh and Kendall Milton and you can give Brock Bowers a couple carries too because he's capable of scoring long touchdowns on the run. I'm not worried for for Georgia through the regular season. I think I want to see some more. Um, you want to see some more data, and I want to see some more games to be able to kind of sift through what's going on as far as if, if the things we saw Saturday and and maybe some of the small concerns, if it really is something to be worried about. But I think to your point, it may not show up now. But when you get to Atlanta and you have to play Alabama and you go to the playoff, and if you match up against Alabama again, or maybe the the dirty word, that other team from the Big Ten named Ohio State that may have something to say about the national championship, like that could cost you at some point. So I, I think to be determined on your question, I just think we need more data. And frankly, because Georgia might roll through most of its schedule, we may only get one or two more chances to really kind of lock in on where this team is. Now, this may be looking a, a too far ahead, Stephen, but just in your mind, who's the better Heisman candidate off that team? Is it Stetson Bennett? Is it Brock Bowers? Or, heck, it may be both of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's the good thing for Georgia is there's no shortage of um, potential candidates there. I mean, heck, 
if Jalen, I mean, I, I guess I'm the, the weird, um, you know, voter in college football that if I had a Heisman vote, I would probably vote for defensive players and, and offensive linemen. I, I think Jalen Carter could come back the second half of this you know season after being banged up and put together, maybe not a Jordan Davis like uh, type season, but certainly among the best in college football. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough because the Heisman is such a quarterback driven award. But also, I think Brock Bowers just being such a unique player, and he has those one or two splash plays every week, whereas the touchdown catch in the end zone against South Carolina, it's ridiculous. It's the the play around the edge against Kent State. So I, I always default to the quarterback, but also it's such a unique scenario that if Brock Bowers keeps making these plays, he's very high on just the raw talent scale that maybe he can play his way into this too. Mm. Now, Stephen, last thing before I get you out of here, I, I really appreciate all your time. I didn't want to completely overlook the Gamecocks, so I, I did ask you uh, to get kind of prepared for that. But, you know, they've got some interesting games here coming up, and I'm not saying, you know, they're going to beat all these teams or they may not beat a single one of them. But just, you know, what have you seen from the Gamecocks that gives you hope that, uh, you know, at Kentucky, I'm looking at, then they got they got a bye week, A&M at home, which has struggled a little bit. At Florida, which is, they look incredible one week. They look terrible the next. Tennessee at home. You know, any anything and everything that you've seen from the Gamecocks that gives you faith that if they keep improving, if they keep taking strides, that they can be competitive in these ball games. And there was many a games last season. We counted Shane Beamer's program out, and they pulled big upsets. I have faith that they can do that again. Uh, so what gives you confidence that they can – possibly do that again this year i think it's like you said i think it's what happened at the end of last season you know south carolina was playing better at the end of last season and and certainly i think they got a lot more comfortable under shane beamer and this year's team i think can do some of the similar things i you and i've talked a lot about spencer rattler i think you know certainly he can play better but i think the pieces around him can play better too i think line of scrimmage was my concern for south carolina coming into this year i think that still remains a concern can they get more consistency i love the fact that marshawn lloyd had a huge game against charlotte last week it's like one of those guys that needs to get the ball more going forward it's weird to see south carolina have so much success on the scoreboard and yet spencer rattler or didn't throw a touchdown pass like that's a good sign i think going forward if you can continue to get more balanced on offense cut down on some of the turnovers better along the line of scrimmage you know i think south carolina is going to have to find an upset somewhere to get to a bowl game but i do think that there's still potential for this team to get better they have it especially if rattler continues to get settled in and they make some of those strides around him like we've talked about well, Stephen, I can't thank you enough. This has been outstanding. Uh, we've been able to hit on, I think, every SEC team here. Uh, can you tell the folks one more time before you go where we can find all your outstanding work? Absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at Athlon Stephen. You can also check out my work at athlonsports.com on YouTube, all CFB365. And also, Check us out. We have a Twitter space every Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Swing swing by and talk about the SEC or or Heisman or, or anything you want in college football. Yeah, I was there this morning firing off the question, so that's always a good time. Steven, thank you, my friend. We'll see you next week. Absolutely, Mike. Thanks for having me on. All right, so just want to say thanks again, Stephen, for joining the show. I hope 
SEC fans appreciate it. I hope Auburn and Missouri fans appreciate the fact we didn't skip you this time by mistake. Tried to hit on all 14 SEC teams. Just a great conversation. And how about some of these ball games? Be previewing all week. Cousin Shane scheduled to be on the next episode, breaking down these key, key matchups. So stay tuned. A lot more action coming to you this week. Hey, even if your team's suffered a tough, tough loss, there's still a lot to play for here. This is the best time of year. The weather's getting good. As Shane says, it's chilly. Weather is upon us here. Eating's good. The drinking's good. And uh, football is always good in the SEC. But that's going to do it for this episode of the show. We'll catch you on the next one.